Thanks for listening to the River in the Hills weekly sermon. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Nate Cashdan. For more about this podcast and other resources, visit our website at www.riverinthehills.com. Good to see you guys. I know. You're blessed to see me this morning. No, it's good to have you all here. I hope you all have had a great week. Uh, excited about what we get to talk about this morning. Um, wanna, just want to honor Charles and Marquita Patterson are here. Some of you know them, some of you don't. It's just, uh, I, can't, uh, I can't have you in the room and not say hi publicly. So they, the, the, we won't even talk about the deposit they've made in this city and countless thousands of people, just the deposit that they've made in me and in Kaylee has changed our life. We, I met them right after we moved to Texas about seven and a half years ago, and um, I sat down with them at a Starbucks and poured out my problems and, you know, and how my problems were brand new and no one knew what I was going through and no one had ever experienced what I was experiencing. And I talked for like 20 minutes and he said one sentence and changed my life. So I was like, oh, you should have started. So... <laughs> I remember one time I was telling him, I, you know, I, was, I came from, I had these people telling me that if, if I'm not preaching, if I'm not basically practicing expository preaching verse by verse, I'm doing it wrong. And that's the only way to preach is verse by verse through the Bible. And, and I'm telling him all that, and I'm telling him how I'm kind of wrestling with this. And he looked at me and he said, you know, Jesus only ever preached topically. And I was like, oh, <laughs> thank you for setting me free from that. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with verse by verse. But Jesus just did topically. All right. Um, if you got your Bibles, you can just keep them handy. We'll go to a few places, um, and it'll be on the screen if you need it. I uh, just convinced, or I just uh, encourage you, I guess, that if your phone is a distraction and you're using that as your Bible, just use the screen. Um, don't use your phone because uh, the pop ups are uh, usually not from the Holy Spirit. But every pop up in here. Is from the Holy Spirit. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this day. I thank you, God, for what you've already done. Holy Spirit, you've already, uh, you've been moving. You've already been working. You've already been answering prayer. And so, Father, right now, I pray that you would bring our ears, our minds, our hearts to attention to what you're saying. God, it's pointless to come together religiously to sing a song, to pray a prayer, and to hear a word if it does nothing to change our hearts and our minds. It's pointless. Father, we don't want to be pointless. We don't want to meet for no reason. God, if you're not here, I don't care to be here either. I just want to go where you are. So, Lord, we welcome you. This is your church. We meet because of you. We meet for you. And we continue now to worship you through the teaching of your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right. Tune in. Not that you were tuned out. I'm just saying, tuned in, because I, I really believe this is a word from the Lord. It might sound a little brazen and harsh, but you just need to know that it's coming from a place of, of deep love and conviction. Also, I don't preach out of theory. Um, it, that there's maybe you know a context or a place for preaching out of theory, but I don't know how. Um, so if you were hoping for that, you're just going to get experience. Not that I have all the experience either, but, uh, but I, can't, I can't give you ideas. Know that I'll never call you to go somewhere that I either haven't been or aren't willing to walk with you. So uh, same with Kyle, same with Glenn. That's, that's just the way that it is. All right. 
13 months ago. I know you guys all remember and have the notes from the sermon. I preached a message on, um, on revival and preparing for revival. And, uh, and I'm just going to briefly review some of those uh, topics. The reason is because uh, we talk about how individual revival has to precede any sort of revival in a, in a family, in a church, in a region, in a nation. Uh, and, and that's mainly what we talked about uh, throughout last year. Um, and I'm, I'm basically, this is the first part of probably a three-part, uh, maybe four-part message uh, on family revival, and specifically today, revival in families, right? You could be like, is it the revi- revival of the family unit or revival in families? Yes, it's both. But today, we're going to center in on uh, revival in families, specifically having to do with uh, relationships between husbands and wives. Um, and... And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you here in a second some of the markers of revival. The markers of revival that we talked about last year were, uh, were really having to do with, with kind of a big picture context in the church, right? We're seeing revival in a church, meaning the local church and the, bigger, the larger body of Christ in a region and hopefully in our state and then in our nation um, as the fire continues to build. But, I want, but the parallels of revival and family, I mean, every single point that I'm going to make today, you just... You just Put directly in the context of revival in your own family, because we won't see revival in the church until your family is experiencing revival. Did you hear that? You won't re- experience revival in the church until your family's experiencing revival, right? We don't we don't pray we don't just, we don't start by praying for revival for for our church or for our city or for our nation without doing what Pastor Glenn exhorted us to do several years ago, which is draw a chalk line around yourself and then ask the Lord to start a revival inside the circle. Okay, so it starts with the individual and moves into the family. And the reason why this might sound a little bit harsh is I'm going to specifically call out men today. Every man in this room. Women, you're not getting out of it because I have some things for you too. And this isn't just for married people. But men, you need, I'm going to call you higher because God calls you higher. All right. That's good. Now everybody's nervous. Um, <laughs> I'm going to skip some stuff here. Just uh, uh, We'll talk about it later. Since this is several different parts, we'll be able to get to it. Families are God's idea. Did you know that? Obviously, the culture is preaching against the family, right? Like, families aren't necessary. You can have two dads. You can have two moms. You can be married to a dog. You can sleep with your cat. You can do all this stuff's out there. It's disgusting. Pedophilia is just an alternate lifestyle. Man, remember, I t- remember like five or six months ago, I told you that my dad had said like 20 years ago, you know, bestiality is going to become normal, and pedophilia is going to become an alternate lifestyle. And then what have the news stories been in the last couple? My dad doesn't even know he's a prophet. He, he, just, he, he was just seeing what was going on in the culture, like, this is, this is teeing up. You know, he's just a long game, you know, he can see ahead. And this is what's happening, and trying to normalize it. Well, the, the biblical and God-ordained family unit is, is basically being looked at as evil, right? In the end times, they'll call good things evil and evil things good. And uh, families is one of those things. Healthy families that are experiencing revival in your household, health, families that are whole, uh, are going to change the world, right? It's our vision, it's our purpose to move God's heart and change the world, and that is done through families. If the gates of hell, Matthew 16, 18, won't prevail against the church, what is the church made up of? Families. It doesn't say the gates of hell won't prevail against the individual that thinks that they don't need Jesus or church. It doesn't say the gates of hell won't prevail against the married couple that can do church online only and not have any fellowship. It doesn't say that. There's not a promise for that. There's no protection there. Sorry. But, but the gates of hell will not 
prevail against the church, and the church is made up of families. We want River in the Hills to be made up of thriving families experiencing revival in the household, in the marriage, and it starts in the marriage. Because you can't experience, you can't expect revival in your children if your marriage stinks. Getting heated up, hon. You better start praying in tongues. (laughs) Kaylee and I will be married 14 years this Wednesday, which is very exciting. And she still sweats when I get fired up up here sometimes, so... The only thing I would have done different was married her sooner. From the day we started dating to the day we got married, it was only like nine months. You're like, whoa, that's quick. Not fast enough. I should have married her quicker. So, okay, back to the point. Um, the devil's been trying to break up families since Genesis, right? Man, he tried to break up Adam and Eve, put enmity, right? And uh, he tried to break up their kids. He did, successfully broke up their kids, uh, and that, so this is not a new problem. You're like, oh, all of a sudden the devil's focusing on families. No, he's always been. It's just his tactic is a little different in how it seems to play out. But divorce, abortion, see evil in the schools, right? You, you, what do you want to do when you want to change a generation? Change the kids. That's all, I mean, that's, it's like, it doesn't even take, a, I'm not, I never went to college. You just change the kids and then wait a few years and the generation has changed. Pornography, alcoholism, social media addiction, TV addiction, Netflix addiction, addiction. Uh, these are all weapons. They're not, you know, like watch TV is in, inanimate. Your television set isn't good or evil. It's what you decide to pipe through it that can change. It's how much time you decide to sit in front of it uh, based on how much time, you know, as I like to say, in contrast to how much time you sit in front of, uh, of the Lord and in front of his word. Um, unfortunately, you know, these, a lot of these things exist is be, because the church hasn't taken her place and been the strong backbone of our nation and has allowed these things in. People are like, why isn't there prayers in schools? Because we didn't stop it. Why is there abortion? Because we didn't stop it. That's why. Why did the Lord allow it? And the Lord's like, why did you allow it? We just need to ask the right question. Okay. But regardless, these things break up families. You've seen it. Some of you are sitting here in this room that have a broken up family. You have a unique place here this morning. Later, we're going to break up into, you know, and, and intercede. And if, you, if you've experienced divorce, you uniquely know the ins and outs of what I'm about to describe. Um, so when I say revival, just real quick for terms, I'm referring to what happens when the, the term means it's a picture of a spark that's, or like a little flame that's almost out, nearly extinguished, and then it's revived and brought back into this blazing inferno, right? That's the word, that's the picture. Uh, we pray for, we believe for it in the church, but today is, is a, in the context of family. So here's some markers, as we talked about 13 months ago, some markers of revival, and you're going to see this in your family too. Number one, there's an increase in hunger for Jesus, Number two, I'm just going to run through these real quick. There's an increase in church attendance with genuine buy-in, meaning I'm not just here to mark my church box. Like, I'm here because I want to be in fellowship. I'm here because I love Jesus. I'm here because it's about him. There's an increase in giving, both of your, t- your time, treasure, and talent. There's an in-, in the amount of people who are giving, who are stepping into the obedience of, of tithing, and, and the amount, meaning, meaning where you're just kind of looking for new ways to give of yourself and of your treasure. Uh, number four, increase in desire for fellowship. Number five, an increase in miracles, healing, signs, and wonders. 
Uh, six, increase in dreams, visions, and angelic visitations, an increase in power manifestations, an increase in repentance. Uh, and desire for holiness, an increase in love for one another and for the lost, an increase in unity in the body of Christ. Are you guys tracking so far? Number 11, there's a decrease. What? Oh, sorry, you're going too fast. Sorry. There's a decrease. I can't slow down, though. There's a decrease of the fear of man. That's a marker of revival. These are markers of revivals from, you know, when you go back and study the history of revival in the church. These are things, they were all different, but these are the similarities. There's a decrease of complacent backseat Christianity, or what we call spectator Christianity. Uh, and number 13, there's a decrease in the operation of the religious spirit. Amen. So revival starts in the family with the husband and the wife. Uh, it starts really in the dating relationship. If you're dating in here, listen, because you're just practicing being married. So uh, with some exceptions, some huge exceptions. But nonetheless... You want a healthy marriage? Practice a healthy dating relationship. If the marriage isn't healthy and whole, your family won't be either. The weight of and responsibility of that healthy marriage lies primarily with the husband. Did you hear that? Who's it lie primarily with? Again. Thank you. Genesis 18, 19. It says, For I, this is the Lord, for I have chosen him, Abraham, so that he will direct his children and his household after him to keep the way of the Lord by doing what is right and just, so that the Lord will bring about for Abraham what he has promised him. God actually chooses Abraham to lead and direct his household, that's his wife and his children, in the ways of the Lord, and Abraham's working out of being the spiritual leader and practical leader in his household, the working out of that was what was going to bring about the fulfillment of the covenant that he, that he made with him. I appointed Abraham to be here and to do this, and as he does this, he will see the promises that I've given. That's what this verse says. That's a huge, huge statement. This is the first book of the Bible. The Lord's like, and I mean, we're not even going to talk about who to create first. I don't need to talk about headship as much this morning as we're going to talk about revival in the family. Ephesians, you can turn to Ephesians chapter 5. If you've got your paper Bible, verse 22 through 33. I know this passage gets talked about a lot, as it should. Wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, his body of which he is the Savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives you should submit to your husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word, and to present her as himself as a, to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless." In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated their own body, but they feed and care for their body, just as Christ does for the church, for we're members of his body. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This is a profound mystery, but I'm talking about Christ and the church. However, each one of you must also love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. Both men and women have roles to play, okay? This addresses both. And, uh, and we have both, both men and women have roles to play in the context of seeing revival brought into your family, 
Okay, so it doesn't land solely on one or the other, but it starts primarily with the husband. Um, I can't tell you how many times I've heard men say something like this. And if you said this, just I want you to bathe in the heaviness of it because that'll lead you to repentance. <laughs> and this is, this, is, uh, this is the Lord's loving kindness. I've heard guys say stuff like this. That spiritual stuff is for, is for my wife. I go to church to support her. Prayer is her thing. Worship is her thing. I have a lot of work to do, so she handles the Bible stuff. I'm good with her going to church, but that really isn't for me. I don't need to go to church to have a relationship with Jesus. Some men actually ridicule their wives for their relationship with the Lord. They make fun of him because they have an intimacy. And do you know where that comes from? Jealousy. I've heard this a lot. Um, this is sin. This, th- that whole situation is sinful. And demonic, it opens a huge door for the devil. The Lord is calling men to repentance today. If you fall into the category of someone who has said these things or taken a lackadaisical backseat role to spiritual leadership in your home. Wives, if you're here this morning and your husbands aren't here because of uh, one of the reasons that I've described here, you need to know that, one, I've been praying for you. I ha- I'm personally, I've been praying for you. Some of you know that. Some of you don't. I pray for your husbands because they need to step up and take their place in your house. And I commend you for being here anyways. It is not easy being where you're at and you're doing the best you can with a crappy situation. There's a powerful invitation. Listen to me, men. There's a powerful invitation from the Lord right now to humble yourself and repent. If you're listening to this online or you listen to this later, there's a powerful inf- invitation from the Lord. Always. It's not this special moment. There's no special grace on this moment. There's always a powerful and special and unique you know, time where you can humble yourself, repent, and step into your rightful place as spiritual leader in your house. We have to start a new lifestyle. It's not just a habit. It's a lifestyle. Godly leadership. All right. Men, if you struggle in this area, you need to get other guys around you that can help you because you're not that good. You're just not that good. I'm not that good. Nobody's that good. You can't do it by yourself. I hate it when people are like, you shouldn't really, you really shouldn't try to do that by yourself. No, you can't. <laughs> you definitely shouldn't try, but it's because you can't. That's why you shouldn't try. It's a waste of time. You need men around you who you will submit to who can tell you that you're being stupid, who can tell you to stop making the same mistake over and over again, who can tell you to... can't say that. Who can tell you... <laughs> To man up, take courage, and make the hard choices. Start getting discipled. Your wife cannot go on being the spiritual leader in your household. It's out of line with God's heart. Your wife, if she's the one doing all the praying, all the discipling of the kids, all the punishing of the kids, uh, all the Bible reading, all the worship, all the instruction and the ways of the Lord, should I go on? 
She's doing your job. And she's not suited to do your job. And you're not suited to do her job. People are like, hey, what is your wife? They ask me, what is your wife? My wife's a stay-at-home mom. She teaches. She homeschools our kids. There's no amount of money in the world that could pay her what she's worth. They're, and she, people ask me, they're like, they're like, hey, what is your, does your wife work? I'm like, yes. Where does she work? She works in the home. Like, oh. Like, they don't know what to do with what I said. You know? I said, I, said, I have seen her job, and I don't want it. I've seen her job, and I can't do it. I've tried. You know, like, even when I'm helping, she was sick. She was not feeling well a couple weeks ago, so I'm, like, trying to do stuff, trying to do stuff, trying to do stuff, you know, and I'm, and I'm, I'm pretty good, right? And I'm great, and the kids love, you know, the, it's not new for them to see Dad helping out in our house. But I could tell that they're kind of like, is, is Mom feeling better? <laughs> you never seen my kids fast and pray as much as they do when Mom gets sick. There's at the door. Zeke, I didn't know you spoke in tongues. <laughs> the point is, she can't do my job and I can't do hers. We're not supposed to do them. That's why two are better than one. All right. The more that I learn, listen, this is important. The more that I learned, and I'm, it's not a stupid comment like I'm the most humble person I know, right? Which, that's ridiculous. I'm just saying, the more that I learn to humble myself, and I learn more and more, all the, it'll be a lifelong journey for me. But the more I learn to humble myself and li- live under the leadership of Jesus, the more I, listen to me, the more I l- learn to humble myself and live under the leadership of Jesus, the better suited I, or the, the better leader I become in my home. Because I, I learn what good leadership looks like under the leadership of Jesus. As I humble myself and submit to his ways, I am more humbled to lead from a place of love and humility. The more that I think that I got it and I can handle it and I'm just going to figure it out on my own and I don't need any of this and I don't need any of that and that spiritual stuff is feminine and they dance in church and they say weird prophetic metaphoric type things that I don't understand it and it's just too weird for me. The more I fall into that, and the more prideful I become, the more prideful I become, and I will lead my household from a place of pride. You don't have to set out to do that. That's your flesh's natural inclination, men and women. Your flesh's natural inclination is to pride. You're not born humble and you learn how to be prideful. You're born prideful and you learn humility. And you can ask the Lord to humble you all you want, but the word of God tells you to humble yourself. So there are choices to make. You can ask for help. But don't just sit back and be like, Lord, I'll be humble as soon as you make me humble. <laughs> All right. Just for the sake of the notes, I'm skipping the next uh, uh, passage and stuff there, just so you know. Um, okay, to women and wives. I can't tell you how many times that I've heard, I can't respect him because he isn't doing things to earn my respect. And I sympathize with the fact that your husband doesn't always do things to earn your respect. But the Bible doesn't tell you to respect your husband when he's doing things to earn things to earn your respect. It says respect your husband, period. I didn't write it. I'm just repeating it. And I and I'm and I, this doesn't apply to abusive situations. Don't this isn't don't get weird. But, but absent that context of abuse in the relationship, your job, did you know that the Bible says 
that you can actually change your husband's spiritual condition by respecting, submitting, loving, and praying, by being in the role that the Lord has placed you. you can, did you know that the Bible says nothing about a man being able to change his wife the same way? Nothing. It doesn't necessarily mean it can't happen. I'm just saying the Bible doesn't say anything about it, and it says a lot about the fact that if a woman stays and endures in her role, doing the things that she's called to do, regardless of her husband's spiritual condition, views, theology, whatever, that she can actually, that, that will actually work towards changing her husband. That's powerful. That is powerful. I take a lot of hope in that when I pray for your husbands. Wives, you cannot, listen to me, you cannot go to your prayer group, your lunch bunch, or your ladies' night out and complain to them about your husband. Stop it. Stop it. You cannot call your mother and complain to her about your husband. Stop it. You cannot call your sister, your cousin, your best friend, your coworker, and complain to them about your husband. Stop it. It is the most disrespectful thing to throw your husband under the bus behind his back. I don't care what he's doing. If he's abusing you, get out and get help. Again, these are, I don't care. It doesn't matter. All that will do is feed the cycle of disrespect, which from him will feed the cycle of him not showing you love. You won't feel love, therefore you'll continue to disrespect him. He'll feel disrespected, so you'll continue to feel unloved by him because he'll continue to not show you love. It'll just feed that cycle, and it'll work against your inner longing in your heart to have your husband lead you in a way that will, that will line up with the word of God and bring revival into your family. It will work against that. You're like, man, he always does this. He always does that. I've heard all of it. You know why? Because sometimes they complain to me. I don't want to hear it. I cut it off anymore. Shut up. Go talk to your husband. I'm not your husband. Sorry, did I yell? Here's the point. Just listen, here's the point. Wives, while the, while the, the bulk of the responsibility falls on your husband in spiritual leadership, your role is crucial, and he cannot do his role without you in your role. He, he, can't, he can't do it. Respect your husband. All right. Worship team, come on back up. But everybody stay engaged because we're going to do something that we haven't really done before. Husbands, well, yeah, all right. Husbands, if you're leading your family well, and the things of God. Because I, I look around the room and I see some of you guys and I just, I've learned from you. Some of you lead your, your wives, your kids so well. The Lord, or the, the world, the church, the world need more men like you. I was, yesterday I took Zeb to a birthday party. Um, Kaylee and I both took him to a paintball. There's like nine little, you know, nine-year-olds running around with paintball. Awesome. <laughs> but I, you know, and, and, and I'm not drawing too much of a conclusion here, but 
There's nine kids there, nine young boys doing boy things where there's no girls out there shooting paintball, okay? I'm not saying girls shouldn't or can't. I'm just saying it was 100% male, right? Every group that went out there was 100% male. They're shooting each other with balls of paint <laughs> in the face. and stuff. It, it hurts. There's a guy thing. But I looked at it. Was, but I was, like, I was like, this is like a father-son. And it was me and Jim Frayne were the only dads there and a bunch of moms. And I'm not, there's nothing wrong, nothing wrong with the mom. And I understand maybe a dad was sick and mom had to take that. That's not the point. The point was, this is a father-son thing. This is, where's the dads? Husbands, if you're leading your families well, or men, if you're leading your families well, and wives, if you're lovingly submitting and taking your role, um, respecting your husband and his leadership, uh, you've stepped into alignment with God's heart for revival. It's awesome. And many of you have. That's so good. All you have to do is continue to walk in love and humility and in the leadership of Jesus and just continue to see your marriage, your children flourish. Continue to grow. Continue to take the punches as they come. Learn. You'll make mistakes. No one's perfect. I make mistakes a lot. And you don't allow compromise in your house. I'm going to give you a list of some of these things, that comprom- some ways that compromise might show its, its face so you can learn to guard against it. Or maybe you didn't know that you had compromised already. That way you can shut the door. But if you're having trouble with these things that I talked about today as a man or a woman, being in the place that the Lord has called you to so that you can usher in revival into your family, then I have an action step for you in just a second. But here's the list, a few examples of what compromise might look like both personally and in your marriage. Number one, getting drunk, drinking too much alcohol, using alcohol as a way to numb or tune out or get through the day. In Christian homes, I see it over and over again. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with having alcohol. That's, don't hear me say that. I'm saying there's something wrong with getting drunk. There's actually a lot of things wrong with it. But it doesn't help anything. And a lot of times in Christian household, we justify it somehow. Like, oh, well, I love Jesus. I'm just going to get drunk in my bedroom. It's not going to hurt anybody. I love Jesus. It's, I had a hard day. I deserve this. There's a lot of grace. I swear if I hear grace as the excuse for getting drunk one more time, I'm going to slap somebody. <laughs> Do you know why? Because I feel like Jesus is like, if I hear grace uses an excuse one more time for getting drunk, I'm going to slap somebody. And I just want to be the hands and feet of Jesus. <laughs> and the feet. <laughs> Gosh, I keep forgetting that all these things are recorded now and they're online forever. That's good, though. Uh, number two, another, another compromise, pornography, individually or together in the marriage. Whether it's it hidden or open, it's wrong either way. Social media addiction, how much time you spend on social media versus how much time you're spending before the Lord is a pretty good indicator of whether or not you're addicted to it. Um, every time your phone buzzes in your pocket, if you, you know, you're in a conversation, you reach into your, phone, your pocket and pull out your phone in the middle of a conversation that you're in, you're addicted to it. You're addicted to your phone or what's on your phone and coming through your phone. I can tell you how many times I've been in conversation people are like, uh-huh, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yeah, uh-huh, mm-hmm. That's an addict. 
that's an addict. If you can't, if you can't stay engaged with me for a conversation that is most of the time you initiated, you're addicted to social media and to your phone. Um, complaining about your about or complaining to friends about your spouse that's a, that's a uh, that's a compromise can't do that I hear it in the gym sometimes my my earphones were the battery was dead and I was like shoot so I'm, I'm in the gym and I have to like hear you know like the huh! you know from everybody and uh, and uh, like from Abigail no, no I'm just kidding um, but but what I also hear is there's this you know there's this group of guys they're there for like four hours every morning they lift like four weights the entire time they're there but they're there they're just slamming their wives, just destroying them to where, I mean, I'm 10, 15 feet, I'm this far away, but I can hear them just tearing them apart. I'm like, what in the world are you doing? If I knew them, maybe I'll introduce myself so I can slap them. Yeah. <laughs> with the gospel, with this. <clears throat> All right, we're going to keep going. Going to bed angry, that's compromise, don't do that. Um, and being okay with looking like the world when you're called to look like Jesus, whom the world hates. Don't make an effort to look like the world. <laughs> we look too much like it already. We're supposed to look different. There's a, there's a teaching that is prevalent in the church, not this church, prevalent in the church that says that we need to look more like the world so that we can reach the world. What? Read your Bible. Read your Bible. Don't look more like the world. The world has enough of the world. It's looking for something different. It's looking for an actual answer that brings satisfaction. And the Word of God, Word of God actually, actually exhorts us to do the opposite of that, to look more like Jesus, whom the world hates. So we can't form our lives for, and the, way that we, the way that we have a relationship with people Based on like, well, I need to make sure that like, I need to make sure that they know we're cool. I need to make sure that they don't think that, I don't want them to think that I'm high and mighty over them. Well, you're not, but Jesus is. So if you look like him, they're probably going to feel like that. And that's fine. You can't do anything about that. You don't need to be cocky, pompous, and arrogant about it. But no one ever is. I've never been in anyone's home, but they're like, hey, how many, how many minutes did you pray today? But that's how we treat. Like we're like, well, we don't want. I don't want them to think that we're. I don't want to think that we're looking down on them. And like they don't. You invited them over to your house for dinner. They don't think you're looking down on them. <laughs> you know what I mean? Does this make sense? All right. So don't open the door to compromise. All right. Here's some action steps, and this is how we're going to end. It's it's a little bit of a different response, but I want everyone involved. Everybody say everyone. All right. Okay. If you're married. Listen, I'm trying to give very specific instructions to cover everyone. Hopefully I do that. If you're married and you're both here or listening online and you're both in the room, I want you to do this, and I need you to, need you to follow my instructions, okay? Uh, I want you to pray out loud together, okay? So we'll have some music going, so, you know, but pray out loud together. Everybody say out loud, okay? Men, if repentance is needed for not leading your wife and kids in the ways of the Lord, the way that the Bible describes in Ephesians 5 and other places, I want you to humble yourself and repent before you start praying. And repent is not just confession where you're like, yeah, I've been, I've been bad at this. But repentance is actually turning around and now taking steps to lead them the right way. Okay? 
So confess, yes, but repent, turn and do it the right way or begin to do it the right way. Wives, if repentance is needed for throwing your husband under the bus and disrespecting him, behind his back or to his face, repent right now. There is no more time in gray area in church. Nate doesn't preach fluffy messages that'll get washed out in a day or a week or a month or a year. It's like, it's now. It's now. The time is now, right now. Like praying for people is great. Calling them to repentance is better. Okay? Don't stop praying for people. Um, then I, after you've repented, I want you to pray together, husbands and wives. Men, listen to me. Men, everybody say what? Men. You go first. And commit to each other and to God that you're going to keep, put things and keep things in the right order in your home if they're not already there. If you're married and you're both here and things are in good order in your home, which some of you fit that category, then pray together for revival to hit your family and every family in this church. Okay, that's what you're doing. If no repentance is needed, then pray together for revival to hit your family. Number two, if you're married and your spouse isn't here, I want you to pray. If, you, if you're sitting with your kids, that's fine. Or uh, if it's just you by yourself, pray and intercede for them out loud. Everybody say out loud. Can't emphasize this enough. And then go home and do step number one with them. Okay, if they're willing. They might not be willing, and that's not on you. But if they're willing, or if they want to listen to the recording, it'll be up. Go do step number one with them. Okay, number three, if you're dating and you're in the room, I want you to pray for each other and repent for any way that you've hurt or misled the other person in your dating relationship, okay? So if you're, if you're the guy, you have responsibilities as a leader in a dating relationship. It's not like, yeah, I'll step into that when I get married. No, you have it now. So if you've messed up, take responsibility and ownership and invite the Lord to start a revival in your dating relationship. If you're single, okay, listen up. If you're single, so wanting to be married, not wanting to be married, divorced, widowed, or any other group of single person, uh, I want you to intercede out loud, everybody say out loud, for revival in your family. You don't have to repeat that, it's okay. But, but you know what? Good job paying attention. Extra points. Uh, I want you to intercede out loud for revival in your family and for the other families here at River in the Hills Church, okay? If you're divorced, you know firsthand, like I said earlier, you know firsthand the horrible things that can happen and how horrible divorce is for your family when things are out of order, out of order the way that God has designed them. You have a unique perspective to intercede because you've been there. You have a unique perspective to do that this morning. So the band is going to play for a few minutes, okay? If I look around and I see you not doing this, I will call you out. Do you know why? There is no time to mess around. Guys, if I don't see you leading prayer right now with your wives, I will call you out because you need to be called higher. And it sucks, but I have to stand before the Lord and the Lord's going to be like, why did you tolerate that guy not doing what I just said to do? And so I'm going to answer well. All right, pair up. Actually, I'm going to do it too. Couple minutes.
powerful. Just take, take a few more minutes. Take a few more minutes. Hey, we're going to, uh, if, if you would need to go and, and get your kids and stuff, you are free to do that. Um, but we're just going to kind of have like a, a, like a soft close, right? So if you want to stay and continue to pray with your spouse, please do that. Um, if you want prayer for anything else, uh, our elders and prayer team, Kyle, will be up here to pray with you. But know that if you're here and your spouse wasn't here, that I'm praying for you this afternoon too as you go home and encourage them to do step one with you. I know that's not easy. I'm praying for you. I'm praying.
praying that revival will hit your families. This is just, it's just such a sweet moment, so I don't want to interrupt those that are still going. Just keep going. And if you need prayer for anything else, come on up. If not, have a great week. The Lord bless you and keep you. Thanks for listening to the weekly sermon. To download the notes and slides for this message, visit our website, riverinthehills.com. If you would like to partner with us in moving God's heart and changing the world, please subscribe to our podcast, leave a review, and share this episode with a friend.